This morning, I want to talk a little bit about freedom. We're in this sermon series, Walking Through the Letter of 2 Corinthians. And today we're going to be looking at the scripture reading passage that was read, 2 Corinthians 3. And I want to hit on the verse, uh, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all crave freedom. But many times we kind of confuse what freedom is. Uh, as Americans, we love freedom. Uh, but is this a freedom to do whatever one wants? For instance, imagine you are driving and a squad car pulls you over for going too fast. And you explain to the officer, I just don't feel authentic going only 55 miles an hour. When I drive, I try to be guided by my deep inner voice, and my deep inner voice is telling me, go fast, go 90, you really need to go 90. So officer, please, 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 please don't impose on me. When I'm driving, I've got to be free. Imagine an IRS agent knocks on your door. And he says, you know, the government has noticed that you haven't paid any taxes for the last 10 years. And very indignantly, you respond, I understand that paying taxes may work for some people. But it just doesn't work for me. Uh, giving my money to the government, which doesn't reflect all my deepest passions and values, you know, just... Try not to impose your rules on my money. I've got to be free. I want to be free to do whatever I want. Uh, freedom is what we want, but often we confuse about what it is and how to live in it. Uh, Paul here believed that in the Lord there is freedom. But interesting enough, a common perception is that Christianity in and of itself stands in the way of freedom. People believe Christianity is too restrictive because too often that's the way Christians have lived. We do not, in the wording of the Psalms, delight in the law of the Lord. We delight in keeping it better than other people. Sometimes we use the law of the Lord as a uh, to prop our a sense of being set apart from other people, being more pure than the rest of the world. Philip Yancey, in his wonderful book called What's So Amazing About Grace, writes about his own pain in growing up in a very legalistic community. He writes, I came out of a southern fundamentalist culture that frowned on co-ed swimming, wearing shorts, jewelry or makeup, dancing, bowling, reading the uh, Sunday newspaper. Alcohol was a sin of a different order with the sulfurous stench of hellfire about it. No short skirts for women, no long hair for men, no polka dots on dresses for women because they might draw attention to suggestive body parts, no kissing, no holding hands, no rock music, no facial hair. He writes, it all calls to mind the dog who thought his name was no, because that's the only word he ever heard. We are called to be free, but it is freedom. But is it freedom from all boundaries? 
all limitations? Paul here in this letter and the early writers of Scripture, freedom is always understood in a relationship with God. Israel has always revered the giving of the law as an invitation, not to law-keeping, but into a relationship. And that is very hard for most of us, uh, especially as Christians, to understand. Before giving Moses the Ten Commandments to deliver Israel, God offered them this significant reminder. You find this in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 6. Right before he gives them the law, before he gives them all the rules, he says this, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You notice, he could have said, here's a list of rules that you better obey or else. He could have said, I am the Lord your God and I expect you to do exactly what I tell you to do. But instead, he introduces his way of life with reminding him that he is the one who brings freedom. I am the liberator. You see, the Ten Commandments were never designed to be a standalone list of rules. All the commandments come within a relational context. We all know from a a personal experience, whenever guidelines are established without a relational component, it can become stifling. Pastor Darrell has often said, rules without relationship leads to ruin. And that's just the truth. The law was an invitation into a relationship with God. In fact, in Judaism, they are not called the Ten Commandments. The Hebrew term literally means the ten words. Because they were rooted in who we were meant to be. It's not a list of stuff to do. It's who you are to be. We are to be a people who love God with all our being and love others as ourselves. And when we read the commandments as this is what you have to do, God was saying, this is who you are. That's why we don't so much break the Ten Commandments as we break ourselves when we violate them. So the question for you this morning When these commandments were given to Moses on Mount Sinai, these commandments, when they were given to Israel, had they just traded one form of slavery for another? Had they just come out of slavery in Egypt, now just become slaves to God and his rules? Well, I don't think so. I believe they had been freed for a life with God and with each other. Think of freedom coming in two flavors, two kinds of freedom. There is freedom from external constraints. Somebody telling me what to do. That's freedom from. But there is another kind of freedom that might be called freedom for. There's the freedom for living the kind of life I was made to live. Freedom for becoming the person God wants me to be. That's freedom for. And you don't have to be an expert to recognize that the kind of freedom our culture craves is the freedom from external restraints. Tell somebody he can't do something and he'll probably find a way to do it. 
My wife uh, is a list maker. I don't know if you know this about her or not and everything. She's a, a list maker. And she organizes our weekly meals in advance. And uh, so she knows exactly what meals are going to be done on what days. And then she has a shopping list based on the list that she has. And then she goes, she shops it, she preps it, she brings it home. And then she'll come in and say, okay, James, remember tonight is hot dog night. And I don't want hot dogs. (laughs) But it's on the list, you know. That day, it is scheduled. It has been written hot dogs. So I come home and what do you do? What do I do? Hamburgers. All right. And she, she'll come home and say, Hey, I thought, you know, hot dogs was on tonight. I said, yeah, but I just want hamburgers tonight. What, regardless of what's written, you're not the boss of me. That's the way our culture is. Freedom from external res, uh, restraints. It appeals to all of us, but it's freedom to God is what we all need. Paul, in the passage that was read earlier by Grace, echoes the moment when God had revealed himself to Israel at Sinai. And Paul here now invites his listeners into that moment, into a relationship with that very same God, but now through Jesus Christ. Listen again as I kind of read 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 12. Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that had brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And what was transitory came with glory. How much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Paul invites us into a relationship with God. In short here, he is saying, not with laws written on stone tablets, but to the one who actually wrote them. Not with rules that say what's right or what's wrong, but with the one who makes us right. Not with just guidelines for momentary living, but the gospel written eternally on our hearts. We are free to know God as he truly is and to be in a personal relationship with him and so come boldly before him. And once we are in right relationship with God, we are then free to become who God wants us to become. Verse 18, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Tim Keller says, this is the person God had in mind when he thought you up. God frees you to become more than we are right now, but to become who he wants us to be. We're like a goldfish, someone once said. In a standard aquarium, 
a goldfish grows to be about four inches long. If it's in a bigger tank that is not overcrowded, then it can grow up to six inches. You take that exact same goldfish, put it in a pond with ample room to grow, it is free. It can grow anywhere between 12 to 18 inches or more in length. Their growth is limited to the size of their environment. We're the exact same way. In and of ourselves, we are limited and only grow so far. But with God, we are free to grow in ever-increasing glory until He has made us to be. And the fact that God takes broken people and turns them into something glorious is absolutely amazing. There is nothing in the whole world that is transformative as the gospel as Jesus. So how do you get this freedom? Well, this is the great irony about freedom. To become truly free, you must surrender. And surrender is not a popular concept. It goes against everything we think we know about being free. Wars are not won by surrendering. Olympic games are not won by surrendering. But surrender is the only way to achieve freedom that we are all looking for. And if you want to be free, you acknowledge that there is a order that God has designed for you. That you are not the center of the universe. You are not the master of your fate. You are not the captain of your ship. There is a God, and you're not him. And true freedom comes when you embrace God's overall design for the world and your place in it. It is only when we surrender to God and His ways and daily seek God's forgiveness and strength and the living the way He designed us that we actually experience freedom. And we may stumble along the way. No one is perfect. But we serve a perfect Savior who is patient and always ready to forgive us when we fail. Billy Graham, in his book, Nearing Home, tells about his late wife, Ruth, who passed away in 2007. She's driving through the backcountry of North Carolina, and she navigated her way through uh, a lot of construction, ended up having to follow a lot of detours, road signs, when she finally arrived at the very last road sign, and it read, End of construction. Thank you for your patience. When Ruth got home, she chuckled telling Billy about that last road sign, and humorously she said, I want those words on my tombstone. End of construction. Thank you for your patience. And that's, in fact, exactly what they did. They put those words on her stone. She chose to have engraved on her gravestone words had nothing to do with her remarkable achievements. It had to do with the fact that as long as we are alive, God will be working on us, and then we will be free. So let's be patient with each other. Let's be patient with ourselves. God isn't finished with us yet. 
Construction today, freedom tomorrow. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the freedom that is found in you alone. Thank you that you are a God who loves each and every one of us so much that you desire, that you want a relationship with us. You want a relationship with us so badly that you have done absolutely everything possible to make that relationship reality. You have come in the person of your son, Jesus Christ, who showed us how to live the life that you have for us, taught how to live that kind of life, demonstrated it, and then went to the cross bearing upon himself the sins of the world so that we can be free from Satan, sin, and even our own selves. And now we can be in right relationship with you and become the men and women that you had in mind when you thought us up. Thank you, Lord, for your love for each and every one of us. Thank you for inviting us into the life that you have. Help us, Lord, to pursue it with passion, with courage. We pray this now in the ones whose name, who makes it all possible. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.